and welcome to episode number 123 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run down all the big bets, all the big happenings, all the big news in this crazy gambling industry. We will be joined a little bit later by Johnny Avello. You know that name. He is the big wig over at DraftKings Sportsbook, longtime bookmaker here in Las Vegas. Took that job about two years ago with DraftKings and been a rocket ship ever since. So Brett was able to get some time with him and be sure and stick around with that. Always a always a good time to talk to Johnny. So uh, stick around for that interview. Guys, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. So go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We do appreciate all of those five-star reviews. Helps us climb up the charts so people find this thing at the Lions US, at PlayPix US. You can follow Brett at Brett Colson. You can follow me at Matt Brown. M2. We'll talk about Thursday night football here momentarily, but Brett, let's kick things off with the NBA. We were wondering how this was all going to play out. The bubble got put together. We started getting some really fun games, some really fun series, and now we are down to four teams. If you were watching last night, guys, on Tuesday evening, the Nuggets win game three outright, not just a cover, but a outright win now two and one in that series in favor of the Lakers. The Heat lead two to one heading into game four on Wednesday night. But Brett, let's start with the Nuggets here. And this is this team that just refuses to die. We have seen them come back now two different times from three to one deficits. It looked as if this uh, Lakers team after game one was going to kind of run them out of the series. And then it takes a miracle three-pointer from Anthony Davis for the Lakers to get up two to nothing. And then the Nuggets could have tucked tail yet again, and they did not come back and win game three outright. Yeah, now plus 800 to win the series down 2-1. We, yeah, we've seen them do this twice already during these NBA playoffs. What was the price? Do you know what the price was when they were down 2 nothing? I, wanna, I would love to know how many people bet that. I don't. I know Lakers going in at DraftKings were minus 625 to win the series um, in, in that one. And the, the Nuggets, you were getting about 500 on the return. The thing about this team, Brett, is like, you know, when Jamal Murray is hot, it's it's you can see a path to them winning this series if they can get three games out of Jamal Murray. The problem is Jamal Murray's just been so streaky a lot of times in these deals. He'll have like a really great quarter and then like three quarters, he almost disappears. And so it's like you have like an an amazing quarter out of this guy and then he's just kind of just out there for the other three quarters. But they got a pretty full game out of him last night. Of course, we know Jokic is just absolutely amazing. Looking like Dirk last night. Yeah. Who is this guy? and, And we look at this now, man, and... You have LeBron, of course, arguably greatest player of all time. You have Anthony Davis. But then you kind of look a little bit further on this Lakers team, Brett, and they are not very deep at all. No. And and it showed a lot last night because there was no help for, for LeBron and Anthony Davis. And when there was absolutely no help, the Nuggets took advantage of it. And, I mean, there was – Multiple times the Nuggets were double digit, had double digit leads in that game. Yeah, and the Nuggets are team depth. They got guys on the bench who would be starting for most NBA teams. So yeah, it's it's a pretty it's a fun dynamic to see what the Lakers can do when you know some of these guys, like LeBron and AD, have to sit down for a few minutes. And yeah, the Nuggets are able to capitalize with that depth. So 
Look, I'm disappointed that we didn't get Clippers Lakers. I, I haven't really been paying attention to this series like I would that series. But if the Nuggets can make it interesting, take this to a game six. Ah, uh, man, I will definitely be watching that. I, I think this is this has potential. But the way yeah. that, that Murray looks right now, he looks like a bona fide superstar right now. Oh, yeah, that's, no, that's no, no doubt about it. I mean, like just drilling long range threes. He's able to get get to the get to the hole. He's mid even mid mid range jumpers, which is a dying art in the NBA. And he's been able to do it all. Uh, they they head into that game tomorrow. That'll be game four of the series. Kind of about where we were when this game went off on Tuesday night. Lakers are favored by six. They're favored by six and a half going into the game on Tuesday night. Total right about where it was as well. Two fourteen and a half. You you can imagine that guys it's going to be about the same they're playing in a bubble no team has a home field advantage there's no uh, home court advantage they're not traveling anything like that so we're heading in with basically the identical lines that we were heading in on Tuesday night makes about makes sense to me Brett I mean you mentioned that series price here it would be it would be nuggets at eight to one or nothing for me I mean obviously I'm not getting in the practice of laying 1400 to win 100 very often especially in a series where we have seen now, look, Anthony Davis doesn't hit a a, a, a three-pointer coming off of a screen, basically falling out of bounds. And we're talking about a 2-1 lead for the Nuggets here. And we are looking at this series completely different. This conversation we are having right now is completely different than we're sitting, than we're sitting at right now. So, I mean, I think there's a little bit, there might be a little bit of value at 8-1 on uh on the nuggets there maybe yeah it, it's you it's probably a cool, could just roll over the money line i suppose yeah it's a cool dynamic with the books too lakers obviously a very popular team before the season and during this season and the the nuggets have been a pretty popular team during the postseason so i i i wish i had asked uh johnny avella what the exposure was uh for the lakers and versus the nuggets in this series just like overall yeah uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I feel like these are pretty pretty fair prices on the series. I would just stay away. Talk about a pretty even series, and that's kind of how I see this Celtics and Heat series. The Celtics heading into the game on Wednesday night, three and a half point favorites, two ten and a half on the total. Brett, both of these teams get out to ten, get out to double digit leads, and then it just shrinks, and then they get out to ten point leads, and then it just shrinks, and it just it, it keeps this yo yo effect going on here. The way I have been playing this series that has been incredibly lucrative, and I would almost recommend this to anybody that's doing this: do not bet this game pregame. Wait until this game gets going. Wait until the end game line gets to one team favored by eleven or something like that, or twelve. And then just bet the dog because they are going to get it within double digits. It's just going to happen. There will be a run from one of these teams that will get the live line out to where the Heat or the Celtics are 10 point, 11 point dogs or something like that. And when that happens, pounce on whatever team it is that's the dog because they will they will inevitably make a run and tighten the game back up and they will not lose by double digits. I have done this. Every game, I've done this a lot with the Heat here just in the playoffs. It tends to always be the Heat that kind of has this weird lull where they get down or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as evenly matched a series as I can possibly see, so as far as analysis on this goes, I don't have a ton other than just the betting strategy that I that I gave right there. Yeah, I feel like it, that's like live betting streaks is a, is a plus EV strategy 
to begin with. But with the Heat, especially, you've got the streaky shooters like Hero and Robinson who can get mm. cold. But when they're on fire, these guys don't miss. And three points after three points. After three, I mean, they can make up a lot of ground in just a few possessions. So, uh, yeah, I like that. Um, how how many times have you bet on it during the series? Uh, every game. So it's just and I, and I was doing this with the Heat in the prior series as well. So more than anything, what we were able to kind of find was that the Heat, like you mentioned, a little bit more streaky, I would say, than than a lot of teams. And they would go on a little bit of a cold spell. They would get down to where the live line got up to kind of like that 9, 10, 11-ish point range. And then I would just pounce. And then as soon as I pounced, you just kind of sit back and inevitably wait on the run that they will get. Because like you said, like, Hero's going to keep shooting. As far as a dude who's 21 years old, about as confident as you're going to find from a 21-year-old in the NBA. And, like, he just keeps shooting. Even when he is – even when he's missing, he keeps shooting. He doesn't – you know, feel like he needs to go tuck tail and and not be a part of the offense. And yeah, he starts to knock a couple down. Butler gets to the hole. They play defense pretty well as well. So then they they get a turnover. Dragic maybe is the guy who gets something in transition. And the next thing you know, you look up and you're like, oh shit, that eleven point lead is down to four. You know, and like so you're sitting pretty good with your Heat plus eleven ticket or something like that. But you know, conversely on the Celtic side, if it if it happens to fall that way, where the Celtics are the team tonight. Uh, I'll do the same thing because I, I cannot see either one of these teams winning a game by double digits, just how evenly matched they are and how deep both of these teams are as well. You talk about the depth from the nugget side of things as far as like one through five. And then even when you get to six, seven that are rotating in for the Celtics in the heat, I mean, that is like a real legit solid six or seven players that both of these teams are putting on the court. Yeah. And that that could be a, you know a problem for the Lakers again in the next round if they advance. What do you and think about Spolstra and Stevens? Right, is like yeah. two of the better coaches in the league yeah. as well. So like, are they going to allow their team to go out there and end up losing a game by 13, 14 points? I, it's just it's for me. I, it's hard for me to see it happen. Two of the better coaches, in my opinion, in the entire NBA. So uh, yeah, it's just it's been a good it's been a winning strategy so far. It's not going to work out every single time, and it, right. but uh, it's it's uh, it's certainly worked out so far. How do you, uh, how do you, I mean, I imagine we're along the same lines here. I mean, the, the series winner right now, Heat minus 143, Celtics plus 115. Not a lot of value really on either team there. I can't imagine making a series bet in this one. Yeah, I, I do kind of like the heat. I saw game three is a great spot for Boston after the the fight in the locker room. And they, they got that spark from Marcus Smart. So I, I saw that kind of playing out the way it did. I just think I think the heat are better. I just it. Yeah, they're just so balanced. There's just there's no ego really on this team. They just go out and do their job and they're well coached. And I, yeah, I think they're going to win the series. So even my minus 143, I don't hate it to, with yeah. a two to one lead. NBA Finals MVP is still available and up at DraftKings if you want to do that. Of course, in order for you to win that ticket, your team, your guy would have to get to the to the finals in the first place and then wins, which is why we are sitting with LeBron James as a minus 110 favorite for the NBA Finals MVP. Uh, Anthony Davis next at plus 250. Jimmy Butler all the way at 13 to 1, Tatum 13 to 1, Bam Adebayo at 20 to 1. 
Goran Dragic at 30 to one. And then you kind of start getting some of these longer shot players, Jokic at 30 to one, Jalen Brown, 40 to one, Jamal Murray, 40 to one. Um, Brett, when you kind of take a look at this, you kind of start to see, I mean, look, if the Heat make it, Bam Adebayo at 20 to one, Dragic at 30 to one. Those are intriguing numbers to me way more than like LeBron at minus 110 or Anthony Davis at plus 250. Uh, There's just no way I'm going to be laying that type of, uh, of price, especially considering they haven't even made it to the finals yet. There's a chance they couldn't even make it. So I'm certainly want more than a, than a payout of of two and a half, or if you're in LeBron's case, you're laying money, you know, something like that. But I mean, but bam at 20 to one Gore uh, Dragic at 30 to one, um, you know, if you wanted to go that route, certainly something that could be interesting. I mean, Tyler Hero, the guy that we're just talking about, I mean, a hundred to one. It's not out of the realm of possibility if the Heat make it and we're able to win the series somehow and win the championship. I mean, Tyler Hero at a hundred to one. I can tell you this: if the Heat make it to the championship. Tyler Hero is not going to be 100 to 1 to win the MVP. No. It's going to be way lower. So, I mean, if you think the Heat are going to get there and you'd like to be holding a fat ticket just to, just to have fun with, um, you know, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Yeah, I kind of like it, honestly. I mean, I do like the Heat to advance here, and the Heat are so balanced that I could see any one of these guys winning MVP. Right. Butler at 13, Duncan Robinson at 300 to 1. Not <laughs> likely, but if this dude gets hot, who, who knows? I mean, that's one of these guys. So, yeah, I don't think I would take Bam. Uh, but like Goran Dragic, this this dude is awesome. When he's healthy, he has been unbelievable. He he's so underrated. He's so underrated. Like when it's like you said, when he's healthy, the problem is is he he is underrated because he does miss so many games, like every yeah. every year. And but when he's healthy, good lord, he is so good, so underrated. But yeah, that's a fun one, guys. If you do want to get a ticket just to to have a sweat, you know, as you're as you move into the NBA finals, there's some pretty long odds that are still available. Over there on the NHL side of things, Brett, we have moved into the Stanley Cup final. It is the Dallas Stars against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That series is tied one-to-one heading into game three that is going on on Wednesday night. Now, if we take a look at this series as a whole, um, you know, I am not going to claim to be hockey expert here at all. I will just say that there are a lot of people who say that even with the series tied one-to-one, The Tampa Bay Lightning have outplayed the Stars. The Tampa Bay Lightning are by far the superior team. We head into Wednesday's game with them as a minus 157 favorite. The Stars plus 135 in that game. If we take a look at the series line, you are looking at the uh, you're looking at the Lightning as minus 195. So they are nearly two to one to win the championship, the Stars plus 170. Brett, what have you seen so far out of this? And do you think that the Lightning justify not only the 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 big favorite that they are in game three, but the nearly two to one favorite for the for the for the cup championship? Well, yeah, Tampa Bay is the better team. That was very evident in the Islanders series, which broke my heart. All my Islanders equity went down the drain. Uh there's yeah, there's no questioning. The Tampa Bay is the better team in this series as well. Uh, but this is still hockey where variance mm-hmm. is king and the stars already showed they, 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 they took down the powerhouse in the Vegas golden Knights in these, the, you know, the, the Western conference finals. And I wouldn't look, it's hockey. I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen here. So the, the mm-hmm. plus plus one seventy for the series is enticing coming off the loss in game two. 
I would imagine most of the money has come in on Tampa since that game, uh, both in game three and for the series. So the, the price is more than likely inflated on Tampa right now. So there might be some bounce back value on the stars. Uh, that's that's the theme, really, is that, you know, anything can happen in this sport. And Dallas, Dallas is a good team, too. So I, I like the underdog at this price. It is going to be, listen, playoff hockey is super incredible fun. Hopefully, hopefully you guys have been watching it. I mean, I, again, I'm, I'll really kind of only start to pay attention to hockey once the playoffs roll around. And um, it has been, it is, it has certainly been exciting. And so uh, I, I would highly recommend tuning in if you have, you know, multiple televisions, because as we mentioned, there's uh, there's all kinds of sports going on at the same time. So hopefully you got multiple screens going on out there. Hopefully also you did not listen to me on the podcast that I did solo last week and fade Bryson DeChambeau because uh, I was on a full fade of Bryson DeChambeau and all he did was go out and not only win the thing, but be the only golfer that actually finished under par for the entire tournament. I did not think Bryson's game was going to translate to this course. Whenever we took a look at how the rough was laid out and you kind of see how that was, the thought was, is you were going to have to keep it in the short grass if you were going to have a chance. And what did we have, Brett? Instead, the two guys in Bryson and Matthew Wolf, all they did was just rear back, hit it as far as they possibly could, did not matter at all whether they hit it in the fairway or not. They actually missed nearly every single fairway. Because everybody was missing fairways. Like Nobody could hit a fairway all week. On Saturday and Sunday, they basically missed every single fairway that you could possibly miss. And instead, they were just so long out there that they were able to kind of muscle it through the rough and still were able to play these greens in regulation. And it was, it is something that that is going to change the way that I look really at all tournaments moving forward. Cause it does not matter if they're hitting it into five inch rough, which they were, but when they're hitting it 360 and 370 and 380 on these drives down there, they're still so close to the hole that it doesn't matter that they're hitting it in this ridiculous rough. And so I thought it would be too much for them. I learned a lesson through this, like these incredibly long hitters might be able to bully some of these courses like this. And really the only thing that's going to come into play is going to be if we're ever playing on incredibly windy courses or anything, you know, stuff like that, as opposed to, Oh, there's a whole bunch of, of really gnarly rough where, that uh, did not come into play at all. And Brad, I mean, listen, all I can say is I was wrong about Bryson DeChambeau. Fortunately, I had uh, the one thing I did tell you guys last week that I hope you hit and I hit as many times as, as was able to bet was the uh, Tiger did not make the cut. And so the the one of the things that we've always been able to do, and Brett and I have talked about this several times, is take advantage of Tiger Woods popularity when it comes to the betting market. And there was no way in the world that Tiger missing the cut should have been plus 165. Um, the guy had not played in a month and a half. The guy was coming back out to one of the toughest courses in America and playing in a field that was as deep as you're ever going to see when it comes to uh, depth and quality of opponent. And you're getting you're getting over one and a half to one for him to miss the cut at plus 165. And that actually saved my week because I was able to bet that so many times that, uh, you know, the fate of Bryson didn't come into play here. How did the U.S. Open betting wise play out for you? Were you on a fate of Bryson or were you able to get a little piece of him? I wasn't on a full fade. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I sound like a broken record here because I say this all the time, but it's like bet Bryson outright or bet against him in every matchup or mm-hmm. both 
Like that seems to be the play right. of this guy because he gets to a point in the tournament where he'll have a full mental meltdown and not care what happens the rest of the way. We saw that at Memorial when he, you know, he posted a 10 on 15. He went full 10 cup just to prove a point. And then he gets in debates with rules officials that takes him out of his, his rhythm, out of his game. But he has weeks like this where he strikes the ball well with his irons, no matter where he is on the, on the course. And the distance definitely helps. And he can run away from the entire field with the way he hits the ball off the tee and putts it. He's an incredible putter, too. Like, the guy is just so good at everything except his approach game. But it just, everybody was struggling because everybody was in the rough this week. And it's going to be course dependent a lot of times with these mm-hmm. distance guys. If the if the fairways are tough to hit for everyone, the guys who can hit it the farthest are, gonna, are going yeah. to just have a better performance that's just and 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 that's a great point like i thought and you know guys that i was a little bit heavier on and and i i shouldn't say it was a total bust i mean obviously i if if y'all listen i had xander i had xander as top 10 bets i had you know i I had i was able to get through with a lot of the top 10s and top 20s and things that i made and and all that i just lost all the head-to-heads where i bet against bryson which was which was unfortunate um the the other thing that that I saw play out, I was talking about, you know, I was really high on Colin Morikawa because of the reason you said, like, I thought that he would be able to keep it in the fairway while everyone else was not. And then that would play into his spectacular iron game. Well, like you mentioned, nobody was able to hit fairways. And so when you're not the longest guy and it and you're you get by on the precision of your irons, but you can't be precise with your irons when you're hitting out of five, five inch rough and, and, and things like that. And so, yeah, it didn't, uh, it didn't play out, learned a little bit here. And it's certainly something as we head into the masters that uh, I'll tell you what, I'm glad to be holding a Bryson DeChambeau 33 to one masters ticket because he is now eight to one guys to, uh, to win the masters at DraftKings and Brett, it, when you and I were basically saying, hey, just bet Bryson top five every single tournament, right when the bubble kind of started and, and they had just come out of quarantine, when he was playing so incredibly well, I looked at some of these futures and I was like, oh, they had master's odds up. And I was like, 33 to one, I'll go ahead and take a flyer. I figured I'm going to get the best of it. He'll be 25, 20, you know, something like that. So like, I'm going to get the best of it at 33 to one. Uh, eight to one is Bryson DeChambeau over at DraftKings heading into the Masters. Rory at ten to one, Dustin Johnson eleven to one, John Rahm twelve to one, Justin Thomas fourteen to one, Xander Shoffley sixteen, Brooks Kepka eighteen. By the way, Brooks Kepka did not play in the U.S. Open; he was injured. So just keep that in mind if you want to bet Brooks Kepka in this tournament. Tiger, here we are, Brett. Tiger twenty to one. Now I understand Tiger's more success at this course than anyone in the history of the game. I understand he loves playing at Augusta. I just think we have gotten to a point in time and and I hope Tiger proves me wrong because golf is better when Tiger's at the top of the leaderboard, but you start looking and these guys that are below him, Morikawa, Reed, Cantlay, Webb Simpson, like all these dudes who have played much more consistently, whose games translate much more to today's game. Um, Tiger at 20 to one will be getting exactly zero of my dollars. And hopefully there'll be inflated prices yet again, whenever these matchups get posted, whenever these other props get posted and I'll probably be on a full tiger fade as well. 
Same, but I don't feel good about it because it's still Tiger Woods at the Masters. Right. Like, I, I don't I don't love it. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's auto fade for me just because everything gets, gets inflated when he steps on the course, especially Augusta. Um, yeah, that was a great read on DeChambeau. I was I was thinking the same, like try to get DeChambeau mm-hmm. futures for some of these majors well in advance. I just couldn't pull the trigger just because Bryson has not played well at the Masters. Uh, doesn't have a single top 20. But man, he's like, he's just, he's the guy who can just go out and win every week. He's the like, same as DJ. Just, you know, you bet him, right. bet him outright. And he's probably going to, it's probably a plus EV vet, a plus EV, EV bet because they can just run away with it. So yeah, great. That's a great price on plus 3,300. Cause yeah, plus 800 right now at DraftKings is, uh, yeah. I know, Definitely not touching I know. that price, but no, yeah, no, no. I mean, listen, while I still think he's probably, like definitely the favorite as we head into here, as we see how he can just kind of bully a course eight to one against a field again, where all of these guys, I mean, all of these guys have been playing some really amazing golf. I mean, despite the fact that none of them were able to get under par, I mean, Xander Shoffley just battle. I mean, it was a struggle for him. I mean, a battle for that course, but still was as bad as he played and on stretches of holes was still able to pull out a top 10. And, and these guys that you just, you know, you can see just their game mentally, physically, everything is just so incredibly good here. I mean, Brad, I mean, we'll, we'll get, we'll talk more as this gets a little bit closer, but you start to look at these, you start to look at these odds and you're kind of like, man, it's only 10 to one on Rory. It's only 11 to one on DJ. It's only 12 to one on Rom. It's like, what are the odds that one of the top 10 players in the world doesn't win this tournament? You probably don't feel good about it, but man, it's just so hard to bet these outrights when you're only getting 10 and 11 to one because one guy wins a golf tournament. You know, it's like, it's like one guy. So you bet these 10 to ones. Uh, enough you're you're just gonna lose you're gonna lose money you know it's just it's like it's very hard to turn a profit look at some of these guys in this middle tier they're all great players reed cantley simpson decky adam scott who i always bet uh at the masters like at 33 to 1 right i will probably have that in my account because it's adam scott at the masters and he hasn't done anything this season and nobody's betting him so i might wait to see if he drops um but yeah it's just you know tyrell hatton 66 to 1 there's just so many good players in golf right now that could still win this tournament. Right. Um, that it's, yeah, it's, it's tough to find any value. You know, a, a, a female who's always in the mix just can't yeah. seem to get it done. And he's sitting here at 40 to one. And you're kind of just like, man, I know he is, he has a, I understand that he has less of a chance to win than Roy McElroy or John Rahm. And anyway, like I get all that, but at 10 to one, if you're betting McElroy and Rom and, and DJ every week and they're 10, 11 and 12, only one guy wins. So you're definitely losing two of those bets. And so now your 10 to one is really only seven to one or six to one because you're making these other bets. And so it's just very, very hard, very, very hard to turn a profit when you're betting these, these, these guys that are the favorites, you know, week in a week out, especially when you're looking at such small numbers. So maybe we'll find an edge in some of the head to heads. Maybe we'll find an edge in some of the top tens or top twenties or something like that when we get close, but hard for me to recommend any of these outrights as we sit right now, just going to be going to be pretty tough for me to recommend any of those. 
Brett, you are sitting pretty on a few different tickets right now, and I'm very happy for you. I'm feeling very, very good for you about those tickets you're holding. We are in, guys. I know this seems crazy because I, y'all remember Brett and I doing the preview videos for for these, but we're in the final week of the baseball season. There is Same, there man. is five games left for most teams. There, you know, there was there were some different makeups and things like that. But again, for by and large, there's about five games left in the season for every team out there. And it is pretty nuts though that we are already at this point. One of the other things that is pretty crazy here is how things all played out. And we didn't really talk about this here on the pod, so we'll give you our quick opinion on it. But the playoffs, and it does not matter if you are the one seed or not, we are heading into a best of three. Yes, a best of three in the first round of the playoffs. So you could finish, like, let's just say, for example, a ticket that you're holding, the Tampa Bay Rays, or let's say a ticket that a lot of people are holding in the Los Angeles Dodgers, and you are a team that went 39-16, and 16, which is where the Dodgers are sitting right now. But you could go into a series, which, by the way, it is shaping up where it could be very possible, Brett, that they face off against the Reds in the first round. And let me tell you, that was the one team you and I kept talking about that you didn't want to have to play because they can roll out three top-notch starters. And we're talking about a best of three. Like, we are going to be on this podcast in two weeks, and we're going to be talking about a very high seed getting bounced because they just ran into a buzzsaw in in one of these early rounds right here. And it is crazy to think because – uh, hopefully if things played out, the Dodgers would actually get the Brewers as opposed to the Reds right now. Like that's if it started today, but like it could change, right? I mean, it, it could change. It could end up being the Reds. And I'll tell you right now, the Dodgers do not want to play the Reds. No, nobody wants. Yeah, nobody with that pitching staff in a three game series. Nobody wants to play the Reds. And that's yeah, it's exactly what we talked about before the season with this staff. Like That's a dangerous team in a three game series. Um, It's 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 a it's a crazy dynamic in baseball this year. Like you look at some of these teams at the top, I'm going to be looking at some of these teams, like maybe like the, well, the reds are 40 to one to win the world series right Mm -hmm. now. I think that's pretty good value, honestly, but even like the brewers, the Cardinals teams that are like going to get that, you know, six, seven, eight seed, maybe who I I feel like people aren't going to recognize the value on some of these Mm -hmm. long shots in a three game series. Just right. bet them to win the series and, and then maybe advance to the World Series. Who knows? Like, there's uh, crazy things are going to happen in the baseball playoffs this year. It's going to happen. More I, than I can any tell you year that we've seen. Who, I don't care who the Reds play. I can tell you I'm going to bet the Reds. Yeah. In the series. Like, I don't, I, it doesn't matter to me who, who they, I don't care about their opponent. I don't care at all about any of that because, again, they can roll out three top notch starters. And like it's not like their lineup of hitters is is a bunch of slubs either, right? I mean, like you're still talking about Mustakas and 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 Castellanos and like all you know they 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 still have a bunch of big bats. They finally called back up uh, Aristides Aquino, like a guy that they were service timing down there, despite the fact that he came up and was basically Babe Ruth at the end of last year. He hit like 14 home runs in 16 games or something like that. They 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 called him back up. I mean, there's. 
Joey Votto, while he's not hitting, he's still walking, so he's still getting on base. So he's at least still on base for people to knock him in. And uh, Reds are going to be a scary team, definitely a team I'm going to bet. This is heading into yesterday, Brett. Um, They'll update it at some point today, but I don't think with the way the games played out yesterday, too much changed here. In the American League, it would be Rays against the Blue Jays, White Sox against the Indians, A's against the Astros, and then Twins against the Yankees. And the National League side, it would be Dodgers and Brewers, Braves and Reds, Cubs and Marlins, Padres and Cardinals. And yes, guys, you heard me say that correctly. The Miami Marlins are in the playoff picture as we sit right now. Now, the National League is kind of jumbled. So these five games actually mean a lot in the National League. The the American League is pretty set. I mean, the Blue Jays could, the Blue Jays, I guess, could like go 0 and 5, I guess, these last five games and maybe something could change. But the, the American League is pretty set as far as the teams. Now, the National League, could be all over the place here when when it comes down to it. But yes, as we sit right now, a team that I know I said on the pod. So, Brett, I'll, when we get things right, if we're going to say, cool, we got things right, we have to say when we got things wrong. I said the Marlins are going to be one of the three worst teams in all the league. Now here they are sitting in the playoffs. It's 2020. What, what the hell do I know? This is a team that had the have the team had COVID. <laughs> the season, they've got better World Series odds than the Reds right now. What happened here? Uh, definitely, yeah, definitely something we did not predict. Yeah, it's dude. The playoffs are going to be chaotic. Like I sit here, I feel like I've got the futures market cornered right now. I've got four World Series tickets in my account. All of them are crushing the market. And once the playoffs start, I'm I'm not going to feel good about it because right. it's a three game series. Any one of these teams could go down in two games. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's going to be crazy. Man. I think the only thing that uh, the other thing that I think that we we didn't get right. And again, we'll we always need to uh, point out that we didn't get right here on things. But look, crazy season. It is what it is. But. Uh, we said pump the brakes on the White Sox, and the White Sox yeah. actually went out and uh, won. Well, are winning the division. They've clinched a playoff berth, regardless. So they're they're going to the playoffs, regardless. Um, they are thirty four and twenty one. The Twins are thirty four and twenty two, and then the Indians are thirty one and twenty four. So in the next five games, this could still they could all hopscotch each other and things like that. But regardless, they're going to the playoffs no matter what. And Brett, I, I thought we were talking about the advanced statistics. We just thought that there would be regression. There were some guys that were on that team that had career years last year. We just did not think that, that was going to be sustainable to have yet again. And yet here we are with Tim Anderson hitting 353 with a 387 OBP, Jose Abreu hitting 332 with a 379 OBP. You got Yasmani Grandal coming back with a 354 OBP. I mean, these guys are just getting on base. They're using their power. They're getting things done. Luis Robert, their rookie, while he did kind of trail off a little bit towards the end, still put up a bunch of counting stats. He hit 11 home runs. He did steal eight bases. So, I mean, he did what he was supposed to do for this team. And really top to bottom, the White Sox performed, you know, to to what the expectations was were. And, um, you know, whatever. We, we got that wrong. It happens. Yeah, it yeah. I like I like them at fifty to one. You could get up at fifty to one at Fox Bet for a, a while before the season yeah. started. I love that. But yeah, I mean they got steamed all the way down to like plus 
2,500, even like plus 2,000, I think, in Vegas. They were just a super popular, sexy team before the season. So, yeah, that was that was a stay away for us at that price before the season. But, mm-hmm. man, they have looked good. They've got pitching, too. Yeah, they're dangerous. Yeah, they are, they are definitely dangerous and a team that we'll be, that we'll be watching. I mean, it is, uh, it's a team that's 10 to 1 here to win the World Series over at DraftKings. So just, just 10 to 1 on your money for the White Sox. And I mean, when you got guys like Jose Abreu, like I said, hitting 332, 379 OBP, 19 home runs and 56 RBIs. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's rough. It's top to bottom. They are, they are going to be a tough out. Uh, before we get to, to Johnny Avello here, Brett, let, real quick before we run down baseball. So look, you're not betting the Dodgers at three and a half to one. You're not betting the Yankees at six to one. You're not betting the Rays at six and a half no. to one. One, you already have a ticket on you, but let's just let's assume Definitely you have no not. Let's just assume you have no nervous. tickets. Let's just they assume you have nervous. no tickets, yeah. right? Okay. Let, let, let's assume you have no tickets. How far down here do you have to get to where you see a bet that kind of that kind of intrigues you? What what is like the first one where you're like, okay, I could see myself throwing at least a little bit of money here on them to win the series. Reds. It'd have to be all the way down down to 40. Okay. 40 to one. Yeah. I just, that three game series makes me nervous with any team. That's like even 15 to one or lower. I don't want anything to do with those. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's like, I kind of want to pull the trigger on some of these other ones, but it's the same. I mean, I guess uh, mine was actually going to be the Indians at 25 to one, but I, I, but I see what you're saying at 40 to one. Yeah. With the Reds right there. Indians, I was just thinking more along the lines of comparatively to all these other teams that are shorter odds, is there anything that just completely separates these other teams from what the Indians are going to roll out in, you know, a three-game series that could advance them and another th- short series that could advance, uh, you know, I at 25 to 1, I think they'd be the first team where I could say I would extract any sort of value whatsoever. But I like you, I like what you're saying. I like what we said from the get-go. Yeah, the Reds aren't fully in yet they still need to win a couple of games here in these last few games but that's i think that's baked into the price here that's why you're getting 40 to 1 on them because there's still an element that they might not make the playoffs and so if you're listening to this you might want to go get the 40 to 1 now because if they win three games in a row and they get in the playoffs they are now they are no longer going to be 40 to 1 yeah, I mean, if they get in, I like them just as much as like the Braves or even the Twins. I think they're they're built to do well. So that's that's a team. Gonna, can you get better than forty to one? I haven't looked. Around, I haven't shopped around for the Reds yet. Maybe I should um, to see if I can get a better price somewhere. But um, is forty to one the best you've seen? It was the best that I saw when I was looking around terrible radio. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was the best that I was. It was the best that I saw when I was looking around the other day, at least anyway. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, I would definitely be looking kind of in that range. Yeah. Cause it's 35 at FanDuel. So it's 40 at, uh, it's 40 at DraftKings. I mean, I think that that's probably where you're going to get your, your most value there. But uh, as we say, always, I mean, be sure and, and shop around to make sure if you're going to bet any of these futures that you're getting the the top number that you're going to be able to get on any of those. But there's uh, just remember as well with these futures, these numbers can change drastically over the course of just the next few games because teams right now you're getting longer shots on them because they have not fully made it into the playoffs yet. So just remember that, that if you want to go and kind of get down on some of these, you're going to need to do it relatively quickly because some of these teams are going to start clinching berths. And when that happens, these numbers are going to fall. So just, uh, just keep that in mind 
as you're going about it. Brett was able to catch up with Johnny Avello, who runs the sportsbook team over at DraftKings Sportsbook, a longtime veteran of the sportsbook industry here in Las Vegas. And Johnny was able to sit down and give us a few minutes and uh, definitely stick around and listen to what he has to say. One of the coolest guys to talk to in all of the industry. We are joined by Johnny Avello, head of sportsbook at DraftKings, and a man I'm excited to get some insight from now that we're two full weeks into the NFL season. Johnny, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule today. You're welcome. So first, the big story from the weekend was, I mean, for me anyway, was the Moneyline favorites. Obviously a huge day for sports bettors who had parlays and teasers with some of these big favorites that all seemed to come through. I saw a tweet last night that said DraftKings was looking at a potential $10 million loss for the week if the Saints covered on Monday night, which they did not. So that was at least one win for you guys. But give us a recap of what week two looked like from your end. Yeah, you know, it started off with the one underdog was was the Rams. um, And the Rams were actually played against the Eagles. And then everything just kind of snowballed. You know, you had the Bucks win and uh, cover. You had the Steelers win and win and kind of cover. Kind of fell somewhere in the middle of the two numbers we open and close. Uh, you had the Cowboys win in the miraculous uh, game over the Falcons who just totally uh, just fell apart at the end and uh, looked like coaching was non-existent in that game. Um, you know, and it just it continued like that for the morning games. Then we got to the afternoon games and the Ravens won easily. They uh, the Cardinals won easily and the Chiefs won uh, by three. But, you know, we had not only side money, but money line money and uh, for parlay. So that helped us a little, but it still compounded everything that was already in play from the morning. And yeah, then, then the, night yeah, game was the, the night game was the Seahawks. And then uh, we all know what happened there. Yeah, the parlays were obviously huge for you guys. I saw another tweet regarding a different sports book that said KC LA Chargers was the biggest result ever at their book for a regular season game. I think there may have been some misunderstanding there about whether that was handle or just the amount of exposure on one side. Obviously, a lot of money came in on the Chiefs. Uh, How did that game look at your book as far as like splits with uh, the money line? And and you guys uh, must have done done okay with that game on the spread at least. We did on a spread. Yeah, we opened six and a half. We closed eight. So obviously a big move there on the uh, the spread itself. Um, so that helped. But certainly with uh, the Chiefs just winning the game, uh, if it was just a normal split for other games during the the morning session, uh, I don't I don't think that game would have hurt us much. We actually would have made money on it. But but the way everything was structured early, uh, it, it just compounded the loss. So what has been your biggest takeaway from the first two weeks of NFL during a pandemic? You know, we've got no fans in a lot of stadiums. Some have a a limited capacity. We've got overs hitting at an incredible pace. You can make several different arguments as to why that's happening. So talk about the challenges your team has faced in regards to moving lines and just sort of adjusting on the fly during these unprecedented times. Are there any moments in particular that stand out so far? You know, I don't feel like it's that unusual of a season as far as the way the games are going. Um, certainly home field advantage uh, is in play. 
um, you know, as it would be normally. And maybe the uh, the quarterbacks and the players can hear everything a lot better. The the refs can see things a lot clearer. And so maybe the games are a little bit more cleaner as far as calls are concerned. Um, you know, I it's a regular football year. The, the good teams are good. The Some of the rookies uh, or second and third year players are starting to come around and play well. Um you know, some teams are just not – things aren't going well for them early, the Vikings, the the Lions, uh, Atlanta. But, uh, you know, it, to me it's not that unusual of a season as far as uh, the way things are playing out so far. Yeah, the big question for me going into the season was home field advantage. Have your impressions of home field changed from before week one to now? I mean, we've only got, we've only got a two-week sample, but we, we now have seen – most teams go home away. Um, what's what's your take, Ben, on just how much how much advantage there is with nobody really in the stands? It's probably a little stronger than I thought. Um, I, you know, if you give somebody a three, which is maybe an average, and then maybe not even an average, less than three, maybe an mm-hmm. average. Um, you know, if you cut that in half, was what my initial thought was. But it's it's uh, it's probably better. It's stronger than that. Um, so there's, you know, there was adjustments after week one. There'll continue to be adjustments as we keep uh, moving on forward here. But from what I see, it's, uh, you know, the, the teams are comfortable with their surroundings. Uh, the fans may have made a difference in a couple of these games, but, uh, you know, they didn't get a chance to participate. Maybe in the Miami game, they might have made a little bit of a difference. Um, obviously in the Cowboy game, they didn't and they came back to rally. So, uh, you know, it's, we're, we're still evaluating. The other big story from week two was the injuries, some major ones, Nick Bosa, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, in addition to some key wide receivers, you know, Michael Thomas didn't play on Monday night. Chris Godwin out. Devontae Adams had an injury, no major quarterback injuries. So we haven't seen a lot of movement in the markets, but these are still key secondary players. How do you approach these types of injuries week to week in, uh, in futures markets? Well, you have to decide if they're, you know, and, and figure out if they're coming back. Uh, if they're not coming back, then obviously uh, that changes it. That, that changes everything, especially for a team like Denver. Uh, you know, they're just so banged up and locks out now. And with Miller, the whole defense is, uh, decimated and you know and they still played well last week but you know that's a team you have to raise up significantly which we did um some of these other teams like the lions maybe could have won a couple games but didn't so you raise them up but not too aggressive um and then on injuries just in general uh you know you like you said there's no major quarterbacks out but the panthers don't look like they're going to be you know a competitive team for a playoff spot and without a guy like McCaffrey, uh, you know, that that's a team that also was raised and uh, don't have high hopes for them moving on. Others, forget the injuries. Some of the teams are just bad. Uh, yeah. Injuries have nothing to do with it. So, yeah, which which teams have been the biggest surprise to you so far? The Eagles uh, definitely are uh, near the top of the list for me. The Lions, uh, my Lions futures are, uh, I don't know. I, I feel, I'm not feeling great about my Lions futures right now, but I feel like that's still a team that could turn it around. Are there any teams that you were kind of high on coming into the season that you're just, you've totally changed your opinion of after two weeks? Well, the two New York teams I thought would at least be competitive and they, you know, they don't have a win yet. 
so so I thought they may by you know might have a, at least a win between them. Um, Buffalo looks like a team they they finished well last year. They had a good season and they picked up where they left off. So, but I'm a little surprised how well they actually are playing. Josh Allen looks really good so far. Uh, I knew the Steelers would probably bounce back this year with Roethlisberger's last crack at it. Uh, Vikings are very disappointing so far. I, I think they're probably one of the most disappointing teams in the league uh, so far. Uh, Tampa Bay doesn't look as good as everybody anticipated, but they are one and one. There's a lot of time to be to go. A lot of football to be played yet. So yeah, speaking of Tampa Bay, they were among the sexier teams in the the futures markets before this season. Futures are my favorites, so I'm always paying attention to how odds move. Where's Where's the money been coming in since week one in uh, Super Bowl futures markets? Well, uh, Ravens and Chiefs have go- uh, drawn quite a bit. And rightfully so. They both look really good. Um, Saints drew some money, but, you know, that'll they'll cool off now a bit. Uh, Packers certainly have with their two impressive wins, a lot of points. So, uh, you know, it's what have you done lately? And that's what's drawing the money in the future market. So we talked about it was a losing week in week two for the sports book. These weeks happen, but uh DraftKings gave away even more money to one customer this week as part of the $100 million giveaway. It was a free promotion at DraftKings. All you had to do was sign up for the survivor pool to be entered into this random drawing. There is an awesome video of the guy who won the moment he saw the money hit his DraftKings account. He was on a golf course with a friend. Uh, Just a really cool promotion. Tell us about how this all came about, what the response has been like from customers, uh, how many people signed up for the survivor pool. It's huge. Yeah, that's what it was. It was a survivor pool. And uh, and the great part about that survivor pool is you did not have to be in a jurisdiction where uh, sports gaming was legal. So we, we had users sign up from everywhere. Um, and, it, and it's great for us, for people to be exposed to DraftKings, to see our app, to see all the offerings that we have so that we, when we do, we go to those states where uh, those people are and, and uh, sports betting is not legal at this particular time. They'll know exactly who to sign up with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the promotion was great. It it worked exactly the way we wanted it to. A lot of users, a happy uh, final customer, and uh, we'll continue to do promotions like we do every single week. Uh, We had, I don't know, the first week we had uh, the Chiefs plus 101 points, and we paid out roughly about $20 on that. So we're no strangers to paying out the money. What's your favorite promotion been so far? I mean, you guys have been creative with a lot of these different uh, different things. Has, has, has there been one that you've been particularly proud of? Well, you know, I, I watched the team back east do that, and they're really good at coming up with some, uh, you know, unusual things. Uh, I love the pools. I love the election. Po- you know, we have a, a free-to-play pool, and there's an election uh, pool in there you can play. I like that one a lot. Uh, we did one for the Derby with about eight or ten different options. I like that one a lot. I like the weather ones we do. So I, I just think the team's real creative at coming up with with uh, just new offerings. 
Yeah, it's fun. And we bang the drum on this podcast for like different ways to get the customers involved and keep them engaged and excited throughout the whole season. So I look forward to what you guys come up with uh, the rest of the season. Uh, Johnny, thanks again for taking the time today. It's it's a it's a strange season to be betting on the NFL, although you you make it sound like it's just a normal season. But uh, we hope to have you back on the podcast here in the, the next month or so, maybe to talk about what happens in the coming weeks. Thank you very much, Brett. Have a good day. want to thank Johnny Avello for giving us some of his time. One of the best guys to talk to in all the industry. Brett, I, I said it before. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to have a relationship with Johnny for uh, for several years here in Vegas. And now that he's over at DraftKings, of course, we're able to talk to him a little bit more than that. But uh, I mean, look, stories galore. Hopefully one day we'll get him to be able to come on here and just uh, just talk about random things that used to happen in the in the sports books around over here in in Vegas. But a uh, great guy and and very happy to to have him, you know, in in this industry, in kind of one of these up and coming companies as well, because, you know, we we talk about a lot of these old school guys have been around a long time and they're they're not in with, you know, some of these uh, some of these new new companies. And so to have him at DraftKings is pretty cool. It is, and I definitely wanted to hear some of his insight after a crazy week in the NFL where the favorites just went nuts and so many injuries, too. So, yeah, to to get his uh, thoughts on how they adjust uh, with some of these injuries. A familiar voice joining us here for the rest of the pod in Brad Allen. We're going to talk some NFL guys, and I don't know if this is hyperbole. Maybe this is just recency bias because, you know, again, we always remember what is closest to what's happened most recently. But, Brad, I'll start with you here. I do not remember waking up on a Monday morning and there being as much impactful carnage as there was this Monday morning. And when I say impactful, there's injuries every single week in the NFL. We're getting used to that. But we're talking about guys that actually change the way we view games, guys, guys that change the way that we view teams, guys that we might look at a team differently as how we will bet them moving forward. I do not know. I cannot remember of a Monday that has happened like this in, in any time soon, if at all, in my in my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were linking it to the lack of training camp. Um, there's not necessarily evidence for that. But I think as betters, I, I think it could be an opportunity. Like, you know, it, it is quite tough for people to just model out exactly how, how this is going to affect these games coming up this weekend. So I think, you know, if, if, you're, if you're willing to put in the time and study the replacements and all this kind of thing, that there is probably some opportunity if, if you know your players. Yeah, Brett... What do you think about these injuries from from top to bottom here? I mean, uh, of all of the ones that we know about, is there is there kind of what's your like top two or three that you're like, okay, wow, this definitely changes my perception of of this team overall. Yeah, so by by far for me, that's a huge one on top of the the Richard Sherman. I mean, that that whole team has just been decimated. Solomon Thomas as well, like for 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 that defense. Yeah, and plus you got. Yeah, Debo's not back. Kittle, we don't know. Like that team is is a shell of what it was coming into the season. So yeah, but the Bosa thing is huge. I think that's the biggest injury for me uh, as far as like capping games going. Yeah, forward. it was. Of course, we know about Saquon Barkley going down for the Giants. We know about Christian McCaffrey is going to be out for a long time for the Panthers. Drew Locke is out for. The Broncos, as is Cortland Sutton, his number one target there. He is also out. There's just a lot of very impactful 
injuries that we're going to have to kind of navigate here as we enter uh, enter this week. And I'm glad we're only here on Wednesday. We don't have to talk about the games uh, quite yet because I'm going to have to do a lot more digging. So, of course, we'll come to you on uh, on Friday with the full breakdown. But, Brad, let's do a real quick look back, just a very quick look back at week two here and what games or what takeaways really kind of stood out to you from from week two? I mean, I think that there are probably a couple of different takeaways that I had from week two that will help me kind of moving forward. But curious if there was anything from any results or anything that happened there that is going to uh, is going to help you as you move forward capping these games. Yeah, so I think this, I think the Bills are, are pretty interesting. You know, mm-hmm. we spoke last Friday about some of the things they were doing with play action and four wide and all the deep shots and kind of, you know, like a properly modern offense. And then they come out again, Josh Allen, after his first 300 yard passing game last week, comes out and puts up 400 yards. Um, and I was just looking through some through some charts this morning, you know, things I like to do in my spare time. And <laughs> And Bills, the Bills, if you strip out garbage time, they are the best um, best team in the league currently by um, EPA added, um, which I thought was pretty fascinating. And then like at the very, so they're top right of the chart. At the very bottom left is the Jets. When you strip out their garbage time, you know, they did that last week against the Niners. I think they had about 200 yards before the very last drive of the game where they went 80 yards for a touchdown to kill some unders. But before that, they didn't move the ball. It was the same in week one. So those two stood out when you strip out garbage time. Bills are as one of the best teams in the league and, and uh, the Jets is one of the worst in the league so far. Brett, what from week two did you kind of pull out of any of these games, if anything, uh, that maybe will help you at, at least mold how you're thinking moving forward? <laughs> Where to begin after the worst betting week of my <laughs> life? Um, well, I want to get your, I want to get your thoughts yeah. on the saints. The saints were a team that coming into the season, I was a little mm-hmm. skeptical about after all the injury luck last year, the positive turnover variance they had last year, another year aging for Drew Brees. Drew Brees looks terrible. I mean, we, we've talked about him the last couple of years. We saw, you know, the decline, but man, he looks bad. And without Michael Thomas is that guy, that automatic mid-range uh, target. This is a different offense. I mean, it's just, it's all dump offs to Alvin Kamara. When you, when you start seeing them play a good defense, they play the Raiders. Uh, they shredded the Raiders on Monday yeah. night. Big deal. I want to see them play a good defense uh, and, and see if they can actually, uh, move the chains because that is a team I am worried about. If we're going to see them play the Packers this week, a game we will definitely be talking about on Friday because there's that's a very interesting uh, number. That well, we'll peel the curtain right back. I can Man, tell you yeah. this: uh, the three and a hook is already in my account for the Packers, and yeah, okay. and um, that was one of the first bets I got in my account. Was that I just don't? I, I, yeah, this Saints team is a shell of itself. Especially they were getting by on their defense the past couple of seasons as it was anyway. And if you're going to let the Raiders kind of march up and down the field field on you play keep away not be able to get them off the field on third downs um what do you think that Aaron Rodgers and this Packers team is going to be able to do the Saints they were expecting to have fans in the Superdome for this game they ended up on Friday just this Friday this past week decided they are not going to allow fans into the Superdome so it's going to be an empty stadium so no home field advantage at all in that one either so yeah if that tells you anything Brett I do have the Packers three and a half already in my account, I think for me, the big thing is this is kind of a prove it week for me for some of these teams, like uh, the other bet that I have in and we'll break the we'll break the games down on Friday. But another one that I quickly got in my account before I think that maybe it starts to run 
is the Titans at under a field goal against the Vikings. Um, I'm just prove it to me, Vikings, prove it to me that you are not one of the bottom eight teams in the league. And if you prove me wrong, then prove me wrong. And I'll take the loss on the bet, but you're not, you're getting absolutely no pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. Yeah. Kirk cousins look like, looks like one of the five worst quarterbacks in the league right now. And so it's kind of a prove it week for me, for some of these teams. And I think that uh, that'll play out as we break this down on Friday as well. I'm, I'm not buying into this whole buy low on the Vikings thing where people are trying to play that off. Right. I'm like, buy low, out, how, buy low on what? I mean, what am I buying? Like, I mean, like, yeah, I can buy a piece of shit car, like, and, and get it for a few hundred bucks, but I mean, like, the car won't run. So, I mean, like, what do you mean buy low on what am I buying, Brad? I mean, come on, dude. This team, they're not, no, good they're at not anything. good. They're not good at, at anything. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be a prove it week for me in the NFL for sure. But let's kick things off here as we do on Wednesdays with the Thursday night football game at DraftKings right now. The Jaguars are three point favorites, a total of 48 in this one against the Dolphins. Of course, the Dolphins being the Dolphins, man, like just going out and like hanging in games and just kind of being scrappy and fits magic, just crushing your soul, whatever you think. Maybe you just have things completely locked up. It's sitting at three over at uh, FanDuel as well, but it's a juiced three on the Dolphins if you do want to take the field goal with them there. Actually, 47 and a half there, so a half point off on the total. So Brad, let's let's start with you and let's go ahead and kind of like start looking at, at breaking this game down. Of course, it's it's in Jacksonville, so there's no weather concerns really here, anything like that. We're going to be looking at a game in the 80s. I mean, it'll be a little humid, I guess, but uh, both of these teams are Florida teams, so we're not worried about them being, you know, succumbing to the heat or anything like that. Uh, a one and one Jaguars team and an 0 and 2 Dolphins team. Yeah, so I'll tell you where I think might be interesting to start, or possibly should have talked about in the last section, but I think it's relevant for this game, is is the overs coming in, mm-hmm. um, hitting uh, mm-hmm. around, a, I think, a 60% clip so far um, through through these two weeks. and 20 and 12, yeah. Yeah, so, and uh, you know, I think there are reasons for that. Um, I mean, obviously, so we, we've talked before about the lack of tackling practice, this kind of thing. Um the, they, the refs have stopped calling offensive holding. That's just fallen off a cliff. And then you think about the lack of crowds. That's that's another positive for offensive linemen. They don't have to deal with that when you know when it's third down and the crowd are going nuts. Normally, you know they've got ideal conditions for that. And then maybe intensity as well. Like you know, you think about these defenses getting fired up. Mm. It must be hard to get quite the same level of intensity um, just in an empty stadium with with you know without 80,000 people going nuts so it all seems to favor the over uh, which, which obviously you know has played out in the field as well and I, I don't know if they've I'd say books have adjusted some but I don't know if you look across all the totals whether it's gone up by much it's maybe a point or two and then some of the higher total ones that they've whacked up really high like in you know the Cowboys game um, so my first look here was the over um, and I guess you start with both teams are actually top 10 in success rate, which I found pretty interesting. Um, the Jags, so the Jags are the pro football focus's fifth best graded offense through two weeks. They're seventh in success rate. Their, their offensive line ranks third in ESPN's um, pass block win rate. Um, and so, it, you know, so far yeah. it's, it's a real, it's a real good offense. And, I guess they were kind of overlooked in the off season. You know, all the, all the talk in the off season was uh, the, the Jags have lost all these defensive players. They're going to be a three win team. 
But actually, you know, and they've got a fifth round quarterback, blah, blah, blah. But Minshew's playing well, as I said, he, he's grading well. And so Jay Gruden's coordinating this offense. He's had, he's had a lot of success. You remember he was in charge of those Bengals mm-hmm. offenses when they went 11 and five, five years in a row with Andy Dalton in there. He was in charge of some good Redskins offenses. Um, They've, we, uh, they seem to have an offensive line. They've got the wideouts. You know, they've got they've got Keelan Cole, DJ Sharp, Dee Westbrook, if he's still there. And so I think they can definitely put up some points on this Dolphins team, which is also going to be missing Byron Jones. Um, mm-hmm. He went out in the first series last week, and the Bills promptly went after his replacement, uh, Noah Igbenogany. Mm-hmm. He's a first-rounder. They went after him for 11 targets, which went for 145 yards and two touchdowns. So... Um, yeah, I think I think the Jags can definitely put up some points here, and um, then it's up to Fitzmagic to keep coming back, uh, which which I think he can right. do. I know it's pretty crazy, as you mentioned. Byron Jones likely not playing here. Xavier Howard actually was limited in practice as well, so that's something to monitor as we head in. Devontae Parker limited in practice for the Dolphins. Shaq Lawson limited as well. Um, we're looking here, Brett, at a team, as we mentioned, the Dolphins, in a short season, but in the short season, are dead last in pro football's coverage rankings, so uh, giving it up through the air a lot. And listen, this Jaguars offense, Gardner Minshew, not only getting it done with his legs, but with his arms as well. The guy goes 339 and three touchdowns last week. You're looking at you're looking at kind of this like LaVisca Chenault, who they drafted, who they're lining up in the backfield a little bit. And he's getting touches there. Then he goes out wide. Somehow Keelan Cole has become an actual offensive player in the NFL. Like he's got some sort of weird connection with Gardner Minshew and they've got th- this thing going on. I mean, I agree with Brad. I mean, I agree with Brad. I believe that they are going to be able to put some points on the board against this Dolphins defense. And I think through the air, they're probably going to be able to do nearly anything that they want to. First of all, I hope I'm not the only one that's really excited about this game. These are my, these are my two favorite quarterbacks. <laughs> They're all personality. Nobody has more fun playing football than Gardner Minshew and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they're already having fun with each other in the press. Stashes versus beards. <laughs> I can't I can't wait for these two guys to just go out and spin it against bad defenses. And that's why I'm with you guys. I love the over here. The Dolphins can't cover anyone with these injuries in the secondary Steph Diggs put these cornerbacks on skates all day Sunday that was embarrassing and I think the I think the Jags have enough weapons here that they can have the same type of success this is I want to see where DJ Chark is in his recovery he's been hobbled but this could be the week that he finally gets going Mm -hmm. in this season after uh, you know he just blew up last year I could I could see him having one of those games uh, this week against these cornerbacks and you know LaVisca Chenault like you said Keelan Cole these guys are good football players so um, I think there's gonna be a lot of points in this game Uh, Miami just can't stop anyone on the ground or through the air and Jacksonville just got torched by Indy won that game somehow and, you know, that last week they got torched, too. Like, they, neither one of these teams right. can stop anybody. Right. And, and look, we're, we understand that this is a, a very small sample size, and these numbers will certainly mean more to us as we get further and deeper into the season. But, again, we're sitting here with the Jags and the Dolphins also as the 25th and 26th ranked pass rush, according to Pro Football Focus as well. So these quarterbacks are going to be sitting back there without a lot of pressure on them, not really having to worry about all that. And as we as, as we're talking about, I mean, Fitzpatrick with time and Fitzpatrick being able to do what he kind of does and stuff. I mean, I think he's going to be able to move the ball 
down the field as well. So, Brad, we're we're all kind of leaning towards over here. So we've already put that out there, but let's make a case for the under here just so that people out there who are listening to this and maybe they're leaning towards the under, like, can we make a good case for the under in this game? Um, <laughs> I've got, I, don't, I mean, long drives that end in field goals, I guess. Yeah, that yeah. would be one way it happens. Um, I, I'm breaking the matchups down. I don't really see how you would, you would get to the under. Well, I'll give you more reasons for the over if you want. Because, <clears throat> so again, one of, the, one of the things about the Jags at the start of the year Last year, one of the worst run defences in football, mm-hmm. uh, which generally a bad run defence favours the under because the other team can, you know, if they've got a lead, they can just run it out on you. But this year, they've played two of the best rushing offences in the NFL in the Colts and the Titans, who, you know, we would expect to be kind of top five, top 10 rushing rushing teams. And they've given up 3.7 yards a carry to those, those two. Um, ninth ranked run defence, despite that tough schedule. So I can't see Miami moving the ball at all on the ground. So again, there's, it's just going to force the ball back into Fitzpatrick's hands. And whether he's chucking up YOLO balls that Parker pa- catches for 50 yards or whether they're going the other way for six, uh, it just feels like points to me. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where I was, was going with this. It's like, I try to make a case for all angles here. Right. I mean, I, I try very hard to, to do that. And, and Brett, as I was breaking this down, it was just, it was a dead over or pass for me. I cannot see myself ever, ever putting any money on the under in this one because I don't see long sustained drives that are based around any sort of ground game. I see that there could be turnovers for short fields, which we obviously know equals points, which leans towards an over as well. So there was just, I was having a very hard time getting to the make a case for the under position here. Um, maybe you can help me and Brad out. Is there, is there anything you can help us out as far as making a case for, for an under bet in this thing? Let's see. Um, <laughs> uh, a lightning storm that causes like a three hour delay, which puts these guys to sleep. Like I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I just, I can't, I can't make many cases for the under here. I mean, it is Thursday night football, which is the least predictive game of the week as far as like mm-hmm. trying to cap this. Cause we don't know what these teams are going to look like on short rest. So I guess that's, that's the one concern is this could just end up being like a 12 to six like ugly ass game. Yeah. Cause neither one of these offenses are great. We're talking about these defenses being horrible, but you know, who knows what Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to look like. Gardner Minshew is going to look like, uh, but you can certainly make more cases for the over here than the under. I don't think there's a, any question about that in the very short season right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars second in the league in red zone touchdown percentage. They have scored a touchdown on 85.7% of their trips to the red zone, uh, not settling for field goals at all are this uh, are this Jacksonville Jaguars team. When you have a quarterback like Minshew, you are not kicking field goals, man. You're getting into the end zone, obviously, uh, with, with all of this. All right, so we kind of sit, we've kind of laid out how we're going about it with that. Okay, Brad, so even if it's not in your account, um, people are going to want to bet this thing one way or the other, be it the Jaguars or the Dolphins. If you had to lay the three or take the three, how do you see yourself playing it from that aspect? I would be more inclined to play Dolphins money line if 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 picking a side. Okay, this, because because Fitzpatrick he is he is a bit of a variance king, isn't he? But mm-hmm. if he's on, he's on. He can throw four touchdowns. Um. So initially, as I, as I thought about it, I wanted, wanted to be on the Dolphin side because, you know, just based off preseason priors, you, right. 
like you would have said, Miami getting three when home field here is realistically worth probably one and a half points with, you know, just literally they're going from their own stadium up the road <laughs> to Jacksonville. So, so basically we, we've upgraded Jacksonville a good couple of points probably from preseason. Um, and as we said, they were probably a little bit lucky against the Colts, but I mean, but then they were good against the Titans. Um, I would say that red zone percentage is, is probably that's going to regress to more, you know, like 60, 60% rather than 85 yeah. or whatever they're running at. So that would be an argument against Jacksonville. Um, but again, as I say, their success rate is, is showing that it's not all smoke and mirrors. They are putting up, there is something to this, this stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I found it hard to find a, a side I liked, but would would just go with Miami just based off uh, just preseason prize, basically. Brett, same deal. I mean, uh, we we know we're we're more interested in the total in this one than we are in a side, but uh, you know, people are going to want to bet a side here. If you had to go one way or the other, what are you? What are you doing? If you can get a soft three or even a two and a half, I like the Jags, which seems crazy to say, but this Miami team is still finding its Mm -hmm. identity. Uh, So many new pieces on this team, both on the staff and on the roster. And the Jags, like Brad said, have been playing really well. I mean, since before week one, has there been a team that has adjusted this much in the market? Maybe only like Philly and the Rams? Right. I mean, this team has been upgraded quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I kind of lean Jags here, but... The play is the over. Yeah, same. I lean Jags, but it won't be in my account here. I will be looking at some of these player props, I think, as well, a little bit. I mean, I I understand we're we're definitely a little bit higher on the offense in this than most, but I mean, look, Gardner Minshew's sitting at a 263-yard passing prop, which seems a little high to me. I'm going to dig into that a little bit more. Probably would play the under on that one. Gardner Minshew rushing yards is also at 17. I kind of like the over, man. Like, this dude just takes off running, like, left and right. Like, I mean, like, he is not afraid to tuck the ball and take off running. So, another another kind of prop there that I would be looking at. And any of these receiving props as well, I think just from what we're saying, and I think you guys would agree, um, almost all of them would be either overs or pass. I can't see myself coming in on an under on – you know, Keelan Cole at 47 yards or, you know, Preston or or DJ Chark at 52 yards or something like that. I mean, all of these seem like this game kind of could, could end up in some sort of shootout. I don't know, Brad, would you, would, would you kind of agree with that sentiment that if, if we're, if we're expecting an offensive game and we're expecting points, we want to be correlated in our, in our player prop plays as well to where we would be, we'd be kind of looking more towards overs as opposed to unders. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, a couple I I liked was DJ Shark. Um, he's he's going to be going up against you know the hole that is left by Byron Jones. Um, so he he looks like a nice over for me. And then on the Dolphins side, um, Mike Gesicki jumped out as a potential mm-hmm. touchdown target. He leads the entire league in targets inside the ten yard line. Um, so yeah, and he's obviously was he six foot seven or something stupid mm-hmm. so um i can see i can see gasicki touchdown and dj chark overs uh just yep. one more thing on the side we've seen the last last two weeks the jags they've taken a lot of money on both sundays bet down from like nine and a half ten to seven or seven and a half both times um so so someone someone influential in the market likes the jags um so, that, you know, that, that could be something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, guys, uh, that's where we're kind of at on this one. I think that this is going to be a fun game. I mean, I know it's it's crazy that we're talking about a Miami Dolphins versus Jacksonville Jaguars game on a Thursday being a game that I'm really looking forward to. But I really, really am actually looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be 
pretty fun. Everybody thought the Jaguars going to be the worst team in the league, and they have come out and decided that, uh, you know what? Keep your Trevor Lawrence. We don't need your friggin' Trevor Lawrence. We've got Gardner Minshew. We'll let the Panthers have. Uh, we'll let the Panthers have Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so that's kind of what's what's going on with all this. Again, thanks to Johnny Avello for stopping by and chatting with us on the pod. If you want to follow us on Twitter, that is at Brett Colson at Brad Allen NFL, and then I am at Matt Brown M two. You can follow our main counts at the Lines US at Play Picks US, and of course we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. For Brett. For Brad, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys on Friday.